Good day and welcome to the Pro Assurance fourth quarter earnings call. Today's call is being recorded. I would now like to turn the call over to Mr. Frank O'Neill. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Kyle. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your interest and participation in our call to discuss ProAssurance's fourth quarter and full year 2013 results. On Thursday, February 20th, 2014, we issued a news release reporting our results for the year and quarter into December 31st, 2013. Subsequently, we filed our 10-K and a current report on Form 8-K with the SEC, which we subsequently amended. These documents, along with our other SEC filings, provide you with important information about our company and our industry. Each discusses significant risks and other factors that could affect future results and thus cause actual results to differ materially from current projections and expectations. Please read and understand these cautions. And please be aware that statements we make today on this call dealing with projections, estimates, and expectations are explicitly identified as forward-looking statements subject to safe harbor protections reserved for these statements. Except as required by law or regulation, we will not undertake, and in fact we expressly disclaim, any obligation to update or alter information disclosed as part of these forward-looking statements. The content of this call is accurate only on Friday, February 21, 2014. If you happen to be reading a transcript, please know that we have not reviewed it for accuracy and that it may contain errors that could materially alter the intent or meaning of our statements. We will be referencing non-GAAP items in our call today. Please refer to our recent filing on Form 10-K and our recent news release for a reconciliation of these non-GAAP numbers to their GAAP counterparts. Participating in today's call are Howard Freeman, the president of our Healthcare Professional Liability Group, our chief financial officer and executive vice president, Ned Rand, and our chairman and CEO, Stan Starnes, who will start us off with some opening thoughts. Stan? Thanks, Frank. And my thanks to everyone for joining us to discuss a year and a quarter that we view as a financial and operational success. Financially, we grew the top line with important contributions from acquired companies. Our combined ratio was 70.6% for the year, a result we view as exceptional. We strengthened our balance sheet, increasing shareholders' equity and total assets by about 5.5%, while book value per share increased a little more than 6% year over year. And we achieved an ROE of 11.4% for the year. Our shareholders saw a 20% increase in the quarterly dividend, and we have been actively buying back shares. We view our stock as a solid investment. Operationally, as we'll hear shortly, we made great strides in integrating our 2013 acquisitions into our group, and we identified and closed an important acquisition that we believe will play a vital role in our future success. That said, there are a number of moving parts for the quarter which bear closer examination and explanation, and for that we'll go to Ned and Howard. First, Ned. Thanks, Stan. At the top, we, wrote, we note that gross written premiums were up 8% for the quarter and 6% for the year, primarily due to the success of our acquisitions. The larger acquisition, Medmark, produced just over $9 million of new premium in the medical technology and life sciences business in the quarter, and $34 million for the year. Medmark also contributed $1.6 million in new legal premium in the quarter, and $9.4 million for the year. 
Our Medical Professional Liability Acquisition in Nevada, IND, added $2 million of NPL premium in the quarter and almost $11 million for the year. We believe the success of these acquisitions demonstrates the value of adding disciplined, successful companies to our group as opportunities arise. At the same time, our historical NPL business did experience a slight decline for the quarter and the year, and I'll ask Howard to go into more detail there. Howard? Thanks, Ned. The decline in healthcare professional liability direct premium was about 3% in the quarter compared to Q4 of 2012. That comes from the slightly reduced rate levels driven by the continuing benign loss environment and the competitive nature of the market resulting from the significant capital in our line of business. Several notable items in the core MPL business bear highlighting. We generated $7 million of new physician business in the quarter, $2 million of which was generated by IND in Nevada. Our certitude program with Ascension has reached several milestones including $22 million in annualized premium. That program continues on track to roll out in two additional states in the near future, with more to come by year-end. Our Cap Assurance Partnership in California is producing new business that will make its way into written premium starting in this quarter, and I am pleased to report that in January we wrote our first California hospital policy in this program. Ned? Thanks, Howard. We'll get back to you for more market commentary in a minute but I want to touch on net premiums earned. You will notice an increase in seeded premiums for the quarter that results in a decrease in net earned premium, $26 million, or 17%. The increase in seeded premiums has three main components. First, as we participate in more programs with strategic partners where we are sharing risk, we are seeding an increasing amount of premium related to these programs. We view this positively in that it is allowing us to attract new business and strengthen these partnerships. Next, we see a greater portion of the premium in our medical device and product liability line, which is new this year, than in our traditional NPL business. And finally, there is the effect of the swing-rated provisions of our core NPL reinsurance treaties. As you will recall, our primary NPL treaty is swing-rated and a reduction in seeded losses can be accompanied by a reduction in premiums seeded under the treaties. For the year, we saw $26 million in favorable development of our seeded losses, compared to $50 million last year. This decrease resulted in a lower change in our swing-rated accrual for prior year losses. Here, I want to be sure that everyone saw the correction we issued last night. That correction updated our original press release. We originally reported that this change in the swing-rated accrual had a 6.4 percentage point impact to the loss ratio on a comparative basis. The correct number is 15 points. Our calendar year net loss ratio also moved higher with the decrease in net earned premium and period-over-period decrease in reserve development. And that's a good point to go back to Howard for some commentary on reserve development. Howard? Thanks, Ned. We recognized $81.8 million in net favorable reserve development in the quarter, compared to $114.5 million in the fourth quarter of 2012. For 2013, favorable development was $223 million, as compared to $272 million in 2012. That's a significant amount of development, but the difference from last year deserves some commentary. First, the lower fourth quarter development is a result of our more timely recognition of loss indications as we proceeded through the first three quarters of the year. As we've said several times over the past year, 
we are becoming more sensitive to current indications on a quarterly basis. And with each quarter, we have greater perspective on our reserves in the aggregate. Second, the lower favorable development on an annual basis is simply a natural progression given the decline in overall MPL loss costs over the past several years. We are charging lower premiums, establishing lower initial reserves in dollar terms, and therefore, even with the same great results, will produce fewer dollars of development. None of this signifies any reserve deficiency, and we're pleased with our results across all lines of business. With respect to our MPL line, I think it's fair to say that this progression will continue. Although given the nature of reserve evaluation and the unpredictability of loss trends, we are unable to make any predictions. A number of other notes. This reserve development is primarily from accident years 2005 through 2011, and we did see favorable development from our medical device and product liability line and from our historical MPL subsidiaries, including the podiatric component of that business. A comment on the MPL market. As I said, it remains very competitive, and we are pleased to be able to report premium retention of 89% for the year and for the quarter, essentially level with last year and a remarkable accomplishment given market conditions. Our retention rate demonstrates the loyalty of our insurers who see value in our product in a very competitive marketplace. We continue to follow a disciplined approach to underwriting and pricing and are willing to let go of underpriced business. Renewal pricing is flat year over year and down 1% quarter over quarter. Again, a product of the competitive market and loss trends that remain largely benign with frequency unchanged overall and severity continuing to increase at 2% to 3% per year. Thanks, Howard. Now to some other items of note. Net investment income was down 12% quarter over quarter and 5% year over year as we continue to see the effects of lower yields in our fixed income portfolio. However, our overall investment result was buoyed by a change in the classification of one of our alternative investments that resulted in our recognition of the previously unrecognized gain on this investment. This change in classification was driven by a reevaluation given our increasing ownership of the investment in question. I'm sure you all have noted that the expense ratio was up in the quarter. During the quarter, we incurred approximately $4.3 million of non-recurring expenses, principally related to acquisitions and startup costs for Lloyd Syndicate 1729. Adjusted for these items, our expense ratio in the quarter would have been closer to 29%, which reflects stable costs in our MPL business and the addition of MedMark. As we continue to position ProAssurance for success in the future, we will no doubt record additional costs such as these and we view them as a solid investment in continuing our success. Net income was $71 million in Q4 2013, compared to $101 million in the fourth quarter 2012. For the year, net, inco net income is up 8% to $298 million due to the one-time gain associated with the MedMark acquisition, which was $32 million. Operating income in the fourth quarter was $61 million, or 99 cents per diluted share. 2013 operating income was $221 million, or $3.56 per diluted share. Return on equity was 11.4% for the year, and remember that calculation excludes the one-time gain from the MedMark acquisition. Book value per share is up approximately 6% for the year, now at $39.13, marking our 22nd straight year of increasing book value per share. 
tangible book value per share, which excludes intangible assets and goodwill, is $35.64, up 7% in 2013. Stan mentioned that we have been active in buying back shares. In the fourth quarter, we bought back 507,000 shares of our stock at a cost of $24.5 million. In this quarter, through yesterday's close, we have spent approximately $39 million to repurchase an additional 848,000 shares. We obviously see value in our shares at this level and believe that repurchases at these prices is consistent with our view of the long-term value we are creating for shareholders. We have approximately $163 million left in our authorization. Frank? Thanks, Ned and Howard. With a year behind us, will each of you comment on the integrations you helped oversee for the year, and then we'll get an update on Eastern and Lloyd's. Howard, first commentary on IND. Sure, Frank. The update is pretty short. IND was so much like our other healthcare MPL operations that bringing it into ProAssurance has been relatively simple. It's functioning well as our Nevada office, and we're pleased with the business. Thanks, Ned. Medmark? Thanks, Frank. The process at Medmark has been more of an onboarding process. Because, like PICA, Medmark's management and operations remain in place, and back office functions such as accounting, investments, reinsurance, human resources, and IT are working smoothly within ProAssurance. Mary Todd Peterson and her management team continue to lead Medmark and have made great contributions to the company. I would say that, Medmark, that the Medmark onboarding is all but finished and has been very successful. And we're following the same process with Eastern, right? Correct. Mike Boguski and his team have done a superb job over the years with Eastern, and we're taking the lessons learned with the onboarding of Medmark and applying them at Eastern, and we believe the process is proceeding well. <clears throat> we have seen some of the expected cross-selling attention, and the segregated cell business is attracting a lot of interest from participants who would like to explore bringing their medical professional liability captives into that arrangement. So all in all, we are pleased with the process at Eastern and think it's on track. Thanks, Ned. Howard uh, Lloyds? Frank, the syndicate was approved in late November and began writing business effective January 1st as planned, and there is significant activity. Staff is coming on board as appropriate, and it will be fully staffed soon. Duncan Dale is leveraging his considerable contacts in the casualty market and has experienced underwriters for the other lines of business. So everything's going as expected. Thanks, Howard. Stand closing comments before we take questions. Frank, I close by stressing the confidence we have in our long-term vision for ProAssurance. You know, this company has been a leader in our line since our founding, and we've done that by evolving as new challenges have arisen. And we've always anticipated those challenges and been prepared to meet them. I think back to the 80s when we were the first of the physician-founded companies to begin insuring hospitals. That was a revolutionary change for our founding physicians and frankly raised some eyebrows among our physician insurer competitors but it proved to have a lot of foresight and serves us well today. The same can be said for our decision to demutualize so that we could have access to the capital we need to build the balance sheet, to protect our insureds, and to extend our reach to meet them at their point of need. So our broad strategic vision of an evolved pro-assurance should not surprise anyone. In fact, if we were not becoming a larger, broader, more geographically diverse healthcare-centric company, we would be subjecting the organization to a diminished future. While we will always maintain our commitment to individual physicians and those practicing in small groups, we must broaden our commitment to the expanding needs of the larger healthcare world. 
We have the vision, the capital, and the experience that will enable us to successfully navigate this very challenging environment. Our acquisitions are expanding our reach in healthcare and are adding new, well-underwritten business that meets our profitability targets. Eastern will help cement our relationship with large healthcare risks, seeking a continuity of liability coverage. And all of this will position us to cover a wide variety of risks that will present themselves in the future. We are continuing to move ProAssurance forward, and we're convinced that our long-term future will be very bright. Our track record in not only creating shareholder value, but sustaining it in challenging times gives us great confidence. Frank, let's take questions. All right, Stan, thank you. Kyle, we're ready for questions, please. Thank you. If you have a question on today's conference, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you are on a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Once again, that will be star 1 for questions, and we'll pause for just a moment to assemble a queue. We'll take our first question from Matt Carletti with JMP Securities. All right, thanks. Good morning. Uh, this is probably a question for Ned. Just it relates to the uh, integration of Eastern, and just as I kind of we think about modeling going forward, um, their business had historically run at accident year loss ratios, um, you know, a, a bit below the loss picks that that you guys have put up in your your traditional uh, you know, medical business. Is it kind of put the two together? Should we just kind of you know blend the two approaches and something close to what they had been putting up as loss picks on their premium and what you've done on your premium and the net result is probably a slightly lower, you know, uh, overall company loss pick, or am I thinking about that wrong? I, I, I think you're thinking about that correctly. As I, as I told Mike Zagoski the other day, you know, our, our first thing with the onboarding of Eastern is to do no harm. They've got a, a very successful organization, and, and we expect and anticipate they will continue to run it in the manner that they always have. So. Do not anticipate any changes in, in their business or in the way that uh, they're pricing or reserving that business. All right, great. Thanks a lot, and uh, best of luck in 14. We'll take our next question from Amit Kumar with Macquarie Capital. Uh, thanks, uh, and good morning, and uh, congrats on another strong quarter. Uh, just a few follow-up questions. Uh, first of all, uh, going back to the discussion on capital management, uh, clearly you talked about the value in buyback. Uh, you've been buying back uh, in Q1 to date. Uh, Ned, how should we think about, I guess, the pace of the buyback for the remainder of the year um, you know, versus uh, the, the integration of acquisitions? Sure. Um, so uh, from... And then I'm not sure if you mean when you say the integration of acquisitions, you mean future acquisition opportunities. Um, you know, there's really no capital requirement for, for Eastern. Um, that's all taken care of. So as, as we look forward um, and you, you think about the pace, I think what you saw us do um, in the fourth quarter and so far this year is, is pretty indicative of the pace we would expect to be at. But that obviously depends on where our stock price is. Mm -hmm. And uh, the closer we fall to book value, um, if that were to happen, then the more aggressive we would be at buying back our stock. Got it. Uh, okay, that's that's helpful. The the other question I had was uh, um, obviously the adjustments to the tax rate. Um, how, how should we? And maybe I missed this. How should we think about uh, you know what 
what to use for sort of a normalized tax rate uh, going forward. Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, you know, I, I would look at our year-to-date effective tax rate, and I would take out the impact of the MedMark acquisition. So the $32 million gain from the acquisition of MedMark was a non-taxable gain, so it's disruptive to the effective tax rate that we show on a year-to-date basis. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, the other items that, have, that impact that effective tax rate, which are principally our investment in municipal bonds, the dividend received deduction on our um, dividend-paying equities, and our tax credits, uh, you know, I think the year is pretty representative of that. Got it. And then I guess the, the other, final the other thing, I guess, let me, one other thing. The other thing that can yeah. impact that is, you know, the level of favorable development and the level of realized gains in a given period or a given year, because those are going to come in at the, the marginal tax rate of 35%. And if, if you know, if we have a big run-up in, in, in equities and in very large realized gains in our trading portfolio, you know, that'll push up the effective mm-hmm. tax rate. Yeah, that, that that makes sense. Uh, the, the final question I have is, uh, and, and you talked about this a bit in the opening, um, I guess related to the same thing is, you know, the expense ratio and uh, the impact of, I guess, one-timers on expense ratio. Um, what sort of normalized expense ratio should we be thinking of for 2014? That's a, it's a good question, and, and it becomes a little more challenging because obviously we'll have Eastern coming in. Yes. and there are purchase accounting considerations that, that impact with Eastern. For the year, Amit, we've got about $8.8 million, I believe, in non-recurring expenses, um, something in that neighborhood. So, you know, I might take a look at expenses and back that 8.8 out. Got it. And that would get you to kind of what the normal uh, normal run rate was for, for the year. Um, but obviously, two things. One, bringing Eastern in will have some impact. Um, the other is what what is the other thing that's in the year-to-date numbers for 2013 is the purchase accounting impacts for MedMark, and and you'll recall and this will happen with Eastern as well. That one of the things that happens when you when you do your um, opening balance sheet is you write off all the deferred acquisition costs for the acquired company. Normally, those would would amortize over the course of a year. That results in, for that, that acquisition target, a lower than normalized uh, expense load. Got it. Okay, that's, uh, that's all I have for now. Thanks, uh, thanks for the answers. And we'll take our next question from Mark Hughes with SunTrust. Uh, thank you very much. Good morning. Hey, Mark. Uh, Ned- uh, could you go through the uh, the reinsurance uh, situation one more time, how it impacted the, the, the fourth quarter? And based on that, is there going to be any change in approach here for 2014 that might uh, impact the current accident year loss pick? Um, so, so first, uh, the, the impact on the seated does not really impact the current accident year picks. Uh, so so I, I assume you're talking – Mark about the swing provision that yeah, piece of yeah. it. So, yeah, so let me let me walk back through that. So on on the the biggest component of our NPL reinsurance treaty, which is the largest of our reinsurance programs, the premium that we cede under that treaty can can vary depending upon the losses that that go to that treaty. Because of the conservative approach that we take to reserving. 
when we set up our initial reserves for, for a given accident year and therefore for a given, given treaty, um, we are booking the premium at the maximum premium we would cede under the treaty. So the, the loss ratio pick the, that we established for ceded losses initially is such that the premium being ceded to the treaty is at the maximum level. As, as development happens up or down, as in this case down, um, we have the potential for that loss ratio to, to go below that upper threshold. And, and if we go below that upper threshold, we begin to see premium returned back to us. And that's what we're seeing um, this, this quarter and what we saw really all four quarters of this year. Howard mentioned the fact that you know, on a quarterly basis, we've been able to be more sensitive on our loss development this year, and that is true for the seeded losses as well. In the fourth quarter of last year, there was a very large adjustment to this swing provision. Um, because the seeded losses, you know, that in principle, those are losses in excess of a million dollars, and there's a lot more volatility up within that range. And, and because of that, historically, we've not made adjustments to seeded losses except on when we do our, our deep dive annual fourth quarter reserve review. And so in the fourth quarter of last year, you saw a very large development number, but nothing in the three quarters that preceded it. This year, we have more confidence in, in what we're seeing in the seeded layer, and as a result of that, you've seen reductions to seeded premium along the year for the first, um, first three quarters and then into the fourth quarter. And I think, you know, depending on what happens in that layer, that's what we would expect to see going forward. Right. So... Um Will you begin again, uh, assuming that the, you're going to be booking those at the maximum level, or are you going to yeah, pick Yeah, so the, where, where, we, where we book will depend upon kind of where we reserve the business. And assuming that we reserve that 10 points above our pricing, that would put us at the maximum level on the initial year. Um, but keep in mind that what you're seeing in this favorable development on the, on the premium swing is the impact of, of – treaties 2011 and prior based on the development of those losses 2011 and prior. But so that none of our process will change. Right. Um, on the operating expenses uh, in the quarter, the high 20s, what's a good, uh, with Eastern incorporated into your business, what's a good way to think about that going forward? Yeah, I, again, just as I, as I, as I just told um, Amit, you know, I, I think what I'd do is I'd look at our year-to-date numbers, and there's about $8.8 .8 million or so of non-recurring expenses. And then you've got Medmark, where the DAC was written off, and then with Eastern for 2014, their DAC will be written off. So you kind of have to factor that into your model. I don't have a good run rate number for you, Mark. I'm sorry. And when I do that, what will I come up with? That's what I, say, I, don't, I don't have that. I don't have that in front of me. I apologize. Yeah, I understand. How about the uh, Lloyd spending? Is that uh, will that continue? Yeah, we we continue to incur costs relative to that startup, um, and, and and I think we'll see that at least through the first six months of this year as as we we incur some additional costs there. I, I think they won't be at the level that they were at for last year, but we will continue to see some startup costs associated with that. Thank you. And we'll take our next question from Ryan Bar Burns with Janney Capital. 
Hey, great. Uh, thanks for uh, taking my question, guys. Um, just wanted to see if you guys could give maybe some, you know, bare bones results um, for EIHI's fourth quarter. Again, as we try to, to to model you guys going forward, it certainly would be helpful to see uh, maybe what kind of you know net premiums they wrote and what kind of combined ratio they they had in the fourth quarter. Mike uh, Bogusky, I think, has joined us on the call, Ryan. Uh, Mike, can you uh, give us a little color there? Yeah, just, um, and I may defer back to Ned here because I think you, we were going to, we were going to uh, put that into the opening balance sheet and, and uh, the first quarter results. Is that correct, Ned? That's correct, Mike. Maybe you could just give some top line numbers, kind of what premium looks yeah. like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we finished uh, 2013 at 199 million in direct written premium. Uh, just from a rate trend, we were we had 4.8 percent rate rate increases during the year, which generated about 8.8 million dollars in an uh, additional premium to our to our book of business. Our new new business plan was relatively on target, and we had premium retentions of about 84.2 percent for the year. Um, so, from a top line perspective, um, we, we're really on target uh, to what we expected, and the company continues to to grow with respect to its geographic expansion plans and uh, its business model, you know, moving out, moving forward. So, um, that that would give you some 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 insight on that. We also. Uh, um, when we look at when we look at rate that was above the plan we had expected, we'd expected about 2.7 percent in our states and territories. We were at 4.8 percent, um, and the uh, when we kind of looked at overall frequency, um, it was relatively flat. Our claim severity was uh, a little bit higher this year, 10 claims over 300,000 relative to roughly half of that last year, but. Um, and our general expenses were right on target as far as um, how we operated the business during the year. That's great, Mike. Thanks. And, Ryan, when we produce our first quarter results, we'll have an opening balance sheet for Eastern, and that will reflect kind of, um, you know, where, where we think reserves are, et cetera. Okay, great. Yeah, thanks for that color there, guys. And then also, again, I was just kind of kind of speed reading through the, the 10K, um, and it looks like there was maybe a, some modest kind of adverse development from the 2012 accident year. Just want to see if you guys could if, if, if you guys could add any color to that. Brian, this is Howard. Uh, we always do a little bit of adjustment. Uh, some of it relates to just the uh, the true up on what we had seen last year, uh, loss adjustment expense primarily. Uh, you probably would have, if you go back, you would have seen that in, in some prior years as well. It was uh, very minimal, and I, I would call it just more fine-tuning than anything else. No no indication there, nothing that, uh, you know, you, we would say is any kind of a, a change in our assumptions, just a matter of getting the numbers where we think they should be right now. Okay, great. And, and quickly, just just sorry, going back to the swing rate adjustment, guys. Just mechanically, um, to get obviously it, it kind of elevated the, the quarters um, loss ratio or by 15 points. 
Now, mechanically, does that mean that it, it lowered earned premium by $15 million? I just want to make sure I understand the mechanics of, of, of how it became, of, of how it elevated it. Yeah, so that, that, that elevation is trying to, to look at a comparison of the impact that the swing rate had in the fourth quarter of 12 to the impact that it had in the fourth quarter of 13. So in the fourth quarter of 12, we had, I want to say, $32 million of reduction to seated premium or a $32 million increase in earned premium um, in the quarter. And in the fourth quarter of this year, the number was more like $4 million. And so what we're saying is kind of that difference in earned premium is accounts for 15 points of the difference in, in the loss ratio when you're looking at the quarters. Gotcha. And then, obviously, the, the swing rate, it sounds like, obviously, it's getting adjusted more often. What was the impact in the first, I guess, three quarters? That, that, did that have an, you know, obviously, impact or elevate earned premium as well? Yeah, we had the same thing going through the – yeah, I think it was about $12 million. I think we were close to $4 million a quarter. It may not have run quite that smoothly. But, yeah, every quarter you'd see the same sort of, of impact. And then, and then thinking about 2012, it was all in the fourth quarter, whereas this year it was kind of 4-4-4? Four, four, four? That's correct. Okay, great. I appreciate that. Color guys. We'll take our next question from Paul Newsom with Sandler O'Neill. Um, hey, Paul. Good morning. Sorry, follow-up on the swing factor. If you don't change loss picks and the recognition patterns as you did, should, in theory, we expect a similar type of impact from the swing pat factor next year? Uh, so are we really just talking about the fact that there was a change from 2012 to 2013? Uh, and, and we're sort of at yeah, a, I don't want to use the word run rate, but the same sort of similar pattern would happen next year? You know, I, 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 I don't know exactly the guidance to give, Paul, because there's, a, again, because of the volatility in that, seated layer, there's just a lot more volatility in, in what comes through. I think it's safe to say that 2013 was a, was a fairly normal year um, and that we continue to, to approach things in the same manner. But you just have to recognize that there's, there's just more volatility up in that excess layer. I mean, the losses are less frequent, and when they come, they're bigger. Um, so... You know, I, I think that what you will, you know, obviously the, the change fourth quarter this year to fourth quarter last year, I don't think we'll see a repeat of next year. Um, I would expect next year to be, you know, more in line with what we did this year from a process standpoint. It's just harder to say what the end result of that process is going to be because of the volatility. Okay. Um, a second question on the Lloyd's operation. Uh, how do you anticipate uh, sort of when we'll start to see premium results from them, and is there anything that we should know about in terms of how that will show up in your financial statements that might be different from, um, you know, Lloyd's mechanically works a little bit differently than yeah. um Yeah, absolutely, Paul. So there will be a, a one-quarter lag on, on that premium, so it will show up in the second quarter of this year, and we are going to disclose it as a separate segment. Um, in our financial statements. So uh, maybe worth noting, with Eastern coming on, on board, the way that we present financial information on a go-forward basis, starting with the first 
quarter two, we'll have four segments. We'll have the healthcare professional liability segment. We'll have a specialty P&C segment, which will include Medmark and, and Eastern. We'll have Lloyd's as a segment, and then we'll have a corporate segment. Um, at least that's what we anticipate right now. We'll obviously refine that. Um, and, yeah, the, the, and we'll consolidate the, the syndicate, so the premiums will show up as premiums. Um, but we will have kind of these four segments, and investments will show up in that corporate segment. That's what we anticipate right now. So the, the Lloyd's results you'll be able to see on their own, but you will not see anything reflected until second quarter. Um, the, the one caveat that as if, if a large loss were to occur in the first quarter, we would reflect that. Okay, okay. So you're not going to try to U.S. gap the Lloyd's premiums by – because essentially what you're – my understanding, Lloyd's does write – sort of report stuff on a one-quarter lag normally, right? So some companies yeah. try to guesstimate, estimate, and yeah. put it in the first quarter – Consistent with gap. Sort of. Yeah, it's not really it's so not really material at this point. Yeah. Okay. At, at this point, it's not terribly material, Paul. So um, we we don't we don't anticipate doing that. If we ever get to the point where that is material, then we will we will put an estimation process in place. Okay. Great. Thank you. We'll take our next question from Bob Farnham with KBW. Thanks and uh, good morning. The uh, I, uh, most of my questions have been answered, um, but I have maybe a couple numbers, number of questions. So policy, um, statutory surplus at your end, do you happen to have that number? I do. Just one second. We've got to find it. So while they're finding that, why don't you okay. ask the next question and we'll see what we yeah. get. The, the, in, your, in the balance sheet, the other assets uh, ticked up in the fourth quarter, and I'm just curious if there was something behind that. Let, uh, let us look at that. So to go back, the surplus number, uh, and this does not include Eastern, because Eastern is not in the year-end result. It's yep. $1.6 Okay. And other assets, um, give us a chance to, to, to take a look <laughs> at that. Um, it, okay. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah, so it, it, is, um, it is basically the – so the, the Eastern transaction closed on, on January 1st. We transferred – the, the proceeds for that transaction prior to year end. So there's kind of a deposit out there waiting on the transaction to close. Okay. All right. It's probably similar things. It looked like a similar thing happened maybe in the fourth quarter last year. Maybe with, with That's Medmark. correct, with Medmark. That's absolutely okay. right. Okay. Um, and I, I guess the overall encompassing, you know, have you had any change in your thoughts on the Affordable Care Act as it's uh, coming through? Uh, you know, there's no changes. It's uh, – you know, it remains a bit of a mystery as to exactly what the impact will be. Uh, it will have an impact. Uh, we don't foresee the world reverting to its prior state. Uh, it, it remains a very politicized topic, but it's having an impact on the way medicine is being practiced today, and it has an even greater impact on the plans for medicine uh, for the future. So uh, what we emphasize the people is that this, the health care system in the United States would have to change if the Affordable Care Act had never been enacted, uh, and it would have to change simply because as a country we can't afford to spend uh, what's approaching 20 percent of the gross domestic product of the United States on health care. So that fact alone would result in significant changes to our health care system, uh, and that fact alone will result 
in these changes. So I think probably you'll see changes attributed to the Affordable Care Act that would have taken place in large measure. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see, but it is impacting the healthcare system today. It is impacting our business. It's impacting our customers. And we spend a lot of time talking and thinking about uh, what we need to do to prepare ourselves for that impact. The, the fact of the matter is that, that individual and small group positions are not going to disappear, but there are going to be fewer of them. And that fact alone will change uh, the business we're in and will change the healthcare system. Uh, the, the forces that are moving physicians out of small groups toward uh, engagement with mega physician groups of a thousand physicians or more with integrated clinical networks with large hospitals in the form of clinical relationships or employment relationships, those forces are unabated. Uh, the reimbursement patterns create the need for that. Uh, the demographics of the medical school and residency programs create the need for that. Uh, the increasing uh, regulation and bureaucratization of medicine creates the need for that. And all of these things are going to have significant impacts uh, on health care, and that's why uh, we think the, 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 the company of 20 years ago has to continue to evolve as we have uh, for the last 20 years. And it presents uh, great challenges, but it presents greater opportunities for us. Okay. Thanks for that, Stan. That's it for me. And once again, for any further questions, please press star 1. We'll take our next question from Ron Bodman with Capital Return. Hi. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Ron. When I uh, printed off the press release last night, I was surprised. I've never seen this before, but a photograph of Stan popped up on the first page of the press release. Was, uh, was that intentional? It's new and to can me. We attribute the stocks, can we attribute the stock's fall this morning to that? Probably so, yeah. I would think. Okay. So uh, thing, Ron, I, I will, uh, I'll never be as old as I look. <laughs> <laughs> you look sharp, at least in the photograph I got. Um, on a serious note, um, there's obviously been a lot of discussion about uh, the reinsurance markets getting more aggressive. Um, uh, at one point, it was largely just property cat-related, but now it's uh, extending into casualty lines and even uh, specifically professional lines, although I'm not really talking about the subsegment of medical. But I'm curious as to, um, as to whether that's sort of a material opportunity, and w would you take a, a meaningfully different look and approach and utilization towards reinsurance um, if the costs and the terms were to sort of change materially from where they were in years past? Because I believe in the past you've largely us utilized it solely to damper sort of severity exposure. Hey, Ron, it's uh, Howard. Uh, yeah, it, you're right. In the past, we pretty much have used reinsurance to, to stabilize and to give us the ability to write very high limits of, of um, coverage for hospitals and other larger risks. And sure, uh, you know, as the market, if the market continues to soften on the reinsurance side and we see the cost of reinsurance below what we think is the the cost of actually covering that layer or, or area of business itself, we would certainly try to do that. If you go back into the 1990s, we had much lower retentions than we do now. And part of that was the size of the company, but uh, we, even at that point in time, we could have retained a lot more than 
than we did, uh, but the reinsurance markets were quite good, and, and we got some very good buys on reinsurance, and, uh, and we were able to economically benefit. So we'll continue to look at that. Thanks. Um, what's the timing of your, um, your, I guess, primary MPL treaty or, or program renewal? Uh, the, uh, the, the month or so. The main program is, is October 1, uh, and that, that's for the, for the MPL of physician and hospital business. You might comment okay. on this year's treaty. Yeah, you know, this, uh, this past renewal, we were able to improve terms, you know, marginally. We had done the same prior year. But you're right, we do see more um, reinsurers having an interest in the casualty lines. I think because of all the capital that's flown in on the, on the property side, and they're looking for other opportunities, and because of that, it, it, the casualty area is becoming more competitive as well. Thanks. Uh, I had a question on Eastern. I, I recognize the closing date was uh, early uh, in January. Yeah, 1-1. One, um, one. Right. Um, but I'm wondering qualitatively um, if um, I, I think it's Michael. If you could just talk about the underwriting margins uh, in the fourth quarter of 13, you know, were they largely in line with the year earlier period? Did they improve? Did they worsen? Could you give us some directional? I mean, we can obviously look at yeah. the stat statement once that comes out, but maybe a, an inkling as to how they did. Yeah, uh, Rob. Thank you for your question. The uh, the accident fourth quarter uh, was at 66-1, um, I, I believe. Uh, we, we were really pleased also with our uh, expense re uh, expenses in the quarter, where we were starting to run our workers' comp business in the uh, you know, kind of 23 and a half to 24 range, which has been, which is really really attractive from a margin perspective. Um, the the I, I would characterize the year as um, you know obviously a, a significant outperformance to the industry. I mean the industry ran a 109, and uh, you're aware of our results through through 930. Um, we, we're definitely um, you know we were encouraged about the rate increases this year at 4.8 percent. Um, we did believe that we did see in January the pricing was a bit, it was a little bit more competitive, particularly in our mid-Atlantic and southeast areas. I, you know, the, the, our January renewals, we had about a 3% increase on, on, the, on the rates. So, um, you know, when you, kind of, when you look at it long term, it's, it, for us it's all about, you know, claim closure patterns and really keeping a, a strong check on medical inflation. And that's really what we work on within our, within our business model to you know, return employees early to work, uh, to close claims, and overlay that model in, a, in our geographic expansion plan. So, the uh, I, I do believe in you know do believe that um, there's there was probably a little bit more competition in this January than last January uh, coming off the uh, 2012 year, but I think the company is well positioned as we move forward. Thanks, right, Johnny. Congratulations, hey, Michael. Um, what, what? Ron, one thing I, I would add when you when you look at their stat results, I mean, one of the things obviously that we do as, as the acquiring company is we come in and we, we take a very hard look at the balance sheet, um, and and some of those some of those may be reflected in their statutory results, um, and so you know, don't read too much into their fourth quarter. Okay, understood. Noted. And 
once again, for any questions, please press star one. And we have no further questions in queue at this time. I would now like to turn the call back over to our speakers for any additional or closing remarks. Stan, anything final? No, we thank everybody for joining us. We look forward to talking to you again. In May? In May. All right. Thanks, Thanks everyone. everyone. And this does conclude today's conference call. Thank you all for your participation.